0: time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast.
1: We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists.
0: We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite.
1: We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs.
0: Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes.
1: We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, Welcome back. I am your host, Cody. And I'm Kathy. We're into episode 52 of the Weight Endurance Podcast. Uh, this week, we want to talk about kind of what we've been up to in terms of training, which is uh, aerobic training. We're in the early phases of quote-unquote base training, our base builder program, all that sort of thing. So we just want to touch on some of the Nuances of that, as well as the strength or aerobic strength intervals.
0: One of my favorites.
1: That we've been doing. Um, And then also, since we have three weeks or so of those intervals under our belt, share some insights from ourselves, but also some of our planned followers um, have been sending us some little
0: Yeah, cool questions. Oh, nuggets. That's a good way to look at it. We were trying (laughs) to think of like, what do we call like the compliments or the kudos that came in? I don't know. Maybe nuggets. Isn't a good word either. Sort of sounds like something a dog leaves you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway,
1: um, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I guess we'll start it off like we do. What what have we been up to?
0: What have we been up to? Hmm. Um, whining about the cold this this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Our second
1: snowstorm of the year.
0: <laughs> I For being such a baby, I don't know. But it's a recovery week, so just kind of. Taking a step back and because it was cold and windy i did a couple trainer rides in the garage and it was just brutal i i have to get back in the swing of sitting on the trainer but I, I think it's easier to be on the trainer when you have a structured workout and i was just doing like a recovery spin for an hour and that does tend to make it like each minute feels like 20 minutes you know so yeah, if you're
1: just pedaling mindlessly
0: yeah, 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 for sure. So I don't, I certainly don't mind doing a, a structured workout on the on the trainer, but just spinning for an hour. I thought I w- would have fun, like watching British baking show and spinning, but oh, honestly, it was like torture.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah I, I don't care for that either.
0: Yeah, I I know people do that. But that's not my thing. So, um, well,
1: Zwift I think comes in really handy for like like you're just talking about like a basic zone two aerobic ride, mm-hmm. and I think I I haven't actually ridden Zwift ever. Um, well, I shouldn't say ever. Once or twice, I I tried the trial a few years back, but um, it yeah. I thankfully I can get outside and make do. Yeah. But indoors, I love structured work on the trainer. And so Friday, um, the last aerobic strength interval of the this little first half block, um, I did on the trainer. and
0: yeah. I thought
1: it was great. I mean, it I it was two hours. I kind I had the Vuelta Espana, you know, tour of Spain in the. Background, What kind of watching that. That's fun. And I was doing the intervals. It was cold. I mean, I started like bundled up in the garage.
0: But you were shedding layers by the time you were done. Yeah, yeah, you
1: shed layers. and um, Whipping
0: off your hat and your sweatshirt and throwing them everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're done.
1: The structure indoors, I think, is great. And that's one of the beauty points of like our training plan, any training plan really, that has like intervals and stuff that you can make do of it um, indoors pretty easily. But I would agree the the quote-unquote mindless, like, zone two type of riding, like low-intensity, just pedaling, mm-hmm. is at, is definitely challenging. It's a
0: little, For me, it's torturous inside. But on the other hand, I know I need that mental break of having to worry about accomplishing something specific. So if that means I got to watch a little TV, which I rarely do, that I was just trying to enjoy that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and a side note, for those people that do live in an environment that, you get forced indoors, mm-hmm. and it's like you, you know, maybe on the schedule is two hours of zone two, you know, this low intensity aerobic training. Um, and it's snowing or whatever, and you can't do it. Well, you can do the zone two stuff as cross training. So people that live in the mountains or whatever and can go skiing or snowshoeing or mm, right. something like that, as long as your heart rate is in that quote unquote zone two, which we'll talk about actually coming up here. You are getting the cardio aerobic benefits. Now, if you're not pedaling your bike, you're not training your cycling muscles per se, but you are training your heart, right, your aerobic system, right? and getting those benefits. So all that to be said, like if if on your plan is two hours zone two and it's, it's, you know, there's snow and you can't go outside and ride, consider going skiing and, you know, cross-country skiing or snowshoeing or... Something you know of that nature instead,
0: right? Yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah. Because, yeah. Sometimes it's just nice to be outside, you know, for like a hour long walk. Even like we did that one week when we were taking a week off. You and I walked every morning. Yeah. And it was nice just to get the fresh air. But anyway, that my week has been just kind of plugging along and um, been baking granola and banana bread because we're hitting the road on Sunday for Arizona. I'm trying to make sure we have the food we want in our RV, so I've been kind of busy doing all that. What have you been up to?
1: Um, this last week, taking it easy, recovery week. Um, working a lot, uh, catching up on training plans. I mean, it's, tis the season of people getting on training plans and getting their, you know, coaching set up and um, all that for the new coming year. So I've been pretty busy with that um our custom training plans definitely take some time because right. I, I go through and I create their <laughs> annual me. annual training plan and you know adjust the loads for the individual rider and I I think I said this in the last episode like I love doing that mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it is really fun I it, it's work but it's also like enjoyable um and so yeah b- busy with that and then um, we're kind of getting our we're up we're both of us were working on polishing up kind of the newest version of our base builder plans, um, which have been very successful and those are available on training peaks and as well as our website, um, for like a stock downloadable plan. But with our new base builder program this year, we've tweaked things a fair bit, Mm -hmm. um, not enormously, but I think we've improved things. Um, especially on the at home strength training front has been really popular and just sort of we want to package these plan that plan together that someone could just download and do on their own and not necessarily have to be part of our base builder program because we're already a month into that um right right some people might not be ready to start base until december or january and you know, we'll have those plans ready by then.
0: And we have a few people that have reached out and they just want the strength training plan because they, they, they they just don't see themselves doing structured work Mm -hmm. on the bike. They're big skiers or they just have a, a love of just going out to ride their bike. And they're happy to do that
1: Mm -hmm. without a
0: structured focus on the, on the rides they have. So, um, I'm happy to set up people with just doing the strength training program at home.
1: Yeah, and we'll have that available as a download via the Train Heroic app yeah. soon.
0: Another fun thing was I got my family back in Indiana set up doing the strength training programs. My mom's doing it and, and my youngest sister, Jackie. Nice. Yeah, it's been really fun, Yeah, especially really my cool. mom. Like, go Judy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: very cool. Well, we've gotten a lot of um, questions, comments, feedback on some of the training stuff. As yeah, great- I'll
0: start with the um, the fun stuff that I heard from a few of our regulars. Okay. So Chris, um, he I mentioned him a couple episodes ago because he actually came over to the garage and I worked with him on how to properly do deadlifts, which is a hip hinge movement. He had had no experience ever doing strength training. Uh, he's a really good cyclist. He, I think he's turning 60 next year. He's been a longtime cyclist. His buddy Bill, our friend Bill, talked him into joining us uh, last year in-house but he just did the the in-house cycling and not the strength mm-hmm. and so it was fun to work with him individually on proper form and i checked in with him the other day via message um, through the system the train heroic app and I'm like hey chris how's it going how, how are the strength training sessions going and he wrote back that he's just really loving them and so happy he's doing it and
1: the strength training. The strength training, yeah. yeah,
0: pardon me. The strength training and that he knows it's going to make him even a better rider next year, which I love that he said that. Like, he knows he's a good rider already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we messaged back and forth a few <clears throat> more times about just also the benefits of strength training being an anti-aging mechanism mm-hmm. and just being stronger humans. Um, I just love that he was like open and willing to learning new th- things. Yeah, you know, we we get sort of set in our ways and stubborn as we get older, and and he's not. And he's like, "Teach me. What can I do? I want to be a better cyclist. I want to be a stronger human being."
1: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> not so only he's really
0: he's really loving it. Not
1: only if you're older, but also I think endurance athletes, cyclists in particular. Mm-hmm. Are, if you've been a lifelong cyclist and you've never lifted weights, and now you're in your fifties or sixties, you might be like, well, "Why bother?" But the fact that he was willing to give it a try, yeah, and, and he's recognizing like, "Oh, I'm feeling quote younger" or you know more mobile and capable. I mean, that's that's huge.
0: It is huge. And another side note, and uh, I I don't have. All the research to back this, but we all know that strength training is great for bone density.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I've had two friends over the last six months. One just happened the other day have pretty nasty spiral fractures in their tibia and fibula, and th- th- it's horrific. They have you have to have surgery. It's a long, long recovery. Yeah, and and I'm not saying strength training fixes everything. You're going to still have accidents, but does strength training help bone density? Improvement, yes. Would you maybe not have such a nasty fracture if you fall? Possibly. Right. So let's give ourselves every chance of not having a horrific, long time to recover injury. Yeah. That would be
1: difficult for sure at any age. At any age. So
0: yay for Chris. And um, I'm just like loving this program. And I've said this in the last episode or two that I love the interaction of this app Mm -hmm. because you know that's really important to me and I'm missing people in the gym, but you know someone will finish a workout, and I get to actually see all the reps they did, the weights they used, and I can write some feedback to them, or they can make a funny comment. There was yeah. some funny comments going back and forth in the group the other day, and it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's really bringing the whole base, the remote base builder program,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like up a up a notch for sure. Because it's just like you said, you can kind of see what they're doing, the feedback back and forth. I think has been <laughs> the people that choose to do yeah, that because yeah. not everyone partakes in the feedback, but. If someone does, it's great because you can give them return feedback, and they can send you videos of their form, and you can reply on that. And I mean, it's not the same as being in person, but it is pretty cool.
0: It's it's not the same as being in person, but it's better than in years past with the remote program. I had no interaction; right. they they would purchase the program and they were on their own. Right. But with this new version of our at home baseballer program, it's a great. Blend. It's more of a guided coach plan and this is one more way to have interaction yeah. and, and I personally love it. So keep the comments coming and, and if you're listening and you want to be a part of the strength pre- training program we're going to, we'll get a link up there just to to purchase it individually but if you don't want to wait for us to get, figure out the link then go ahead and just send us an email to Cody or Kathy at teamweight.com and then one more cool kudos we got was from a, a long time base builder um, participant Brian. He he's been a faithful participant, and f- this year his like personal life has changed a little bit with another kid graduating, and and I think he has one more kid at home. And 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 with COVID, I don't think there's as many um high school sports activities because mm-hmm. he's been like he's such a devoted dad, like always going to basketball games and lacrosse games. Yeah, and his weekends
1: were taken up. They were many, taken up yeah. pretty
0: significantly, and so for the first time ever, he's been able to get more rides, really consistent, at least at one weekend ride, um, like Saturday or Sunday. And he's noticing a huge difference in his fitness gains. Cool. And he reached out to me to let me know how excited he is about that.
1: Yeah, that's a good feeling. And yeah, it's probably it's, just I'm that... i really happy for him. extra volume. And, you know, if he's keeping it low to moderate intensity, then... Getting that, those aerobic gains.
0: That's yeah, actually he cynical. does. He's really intentional about keeping his heart rate yeah. low and always asks questions about that to make sure he's on the right track.
1: Right, right. And it's cool. He's already just in the first little half block, you know, for three weeks. He's noticing
0: Yeah, I'm really happy for him. Really and cool. then you got a couple more technical questions that came through. I know there was one about... Doing the Wahoo trainer at home and level mode versus erg mode. So do you wanna touch base on that one?
1: Yeah, I got I got two questions I was gonna just talk about here because I think there's probably many other people out there following our plan or any plan really, um, that's like indoor based that might have some similar questions. And we've got we've received this question before and I think we've addressed it before, but it's worth readdressing, I think, especially per the time of the year here. So, when we're training on our trainers, our smart trainers at home, which many people have these days, um, you know, people want to know when I do these intervals, do I do this in the erg mode, which is the mode where the trainer is doling out a specific resistance or wattage, or is it better to do these in the slope or level mode? Um, my opinion has always been for the majority of indoor training. I do not care for erg mode, and I recommend most people at least try the level mode, um, particularly if we're targeting low intensity, like more heart rate based mm-hmm. training, when we're training like the lower end of the aerobic system. I think erg mode is a mistake because it forces you into an effort level that may or may not be appropriate on the given day. Um,
0: That's true, because it's daily how we feel. Right. One day you're going to feel really good, and maybe another day you didn't sleep well, and you don't want the trainer to force you into an effort level that's not appropriate for the workout.
1: Right. Right. And so this, what we are training in the early season is our aerobic system. Um, I should clarify too. It's it's when I say aerobic system, in fact, let's just address that right now. It's very confusing. I think some yeah, of the, the terminology of things because we have everyone sort of the aerobic training and anaerobic training, right? In all honesty or all, I don't know, technically, 99% of the training you do on your bike is aerobic training. Even, you know, anaerobic threshold, lactate threshold, that's aerobic training. VO2 max, that's aerobic training. Even anaerobic power, that's where it starts to get close to anaerobic training, maybe near the, the shortest durations. But anything over about two minutes in duration is mostly aerobic um i think i've seen charts where it's like at the two minute a two minute maximal effort you're relying on about 90 percent of your aerobic energy system oxidative energy system and about 10 percent of your actual like anaerobic energy system and then as the durations of the movement goes out from two minutes that percentage just you know changes significantly so i think by the time you get to like 4 minutes it's something like 98% to 2% aerobic to to actual anaerobic cuz go back to high school biology you know aerobic is with oxygen anaerobic is without and we can only hold our breath or do something for <laughs> so long without oxygen so Purely anaerobic activity is like lifting weights, or
0: where you like brace yourself and do a two-second lift.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or you know, doing a few box jumps that are you know high box jumps. Um, You know, even doing like a hundred meters on the track from a standstill—that's anaerobic. Um, Very few of anything in cycling is actually truly anaerobic. I mean, probably just track events. I'm thinking.
0: So why? are certain types of intervals called anaerobic intervals.
1: Yeah, I think that comes back to, it's sort of the, I don't have a great answer for that. I think it's like the scientists, you know, back in the whenevers, I I mean, (laughs) over the 1900s.
0: Back in the whenevers.
1: Kind of working in the laboratory, establishing things that, you know, there needs to be some Delineation, yeah. I guess. They of, like
0: to name, scientists like to name things.
1: Yeah. And one of the thresholds, the lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold is, called, you know, that's the point where lactate begins to accumulate in the blood, which is mm-hmm. a byproduct of working hard. It's still an aerobic effort, um, but you're starting to see some changes. And it's, it, I think in our nomenclature and, and in the endurance world, when we start to talk about anaerobic training, we're referring more towards the metabolic process that's happening. So like when we speak of aerobic training, we're talking about the energy is coming predominantly from utilizing fat for fuel. When we talk about quote, unquote, anaerobic training, it's a little bit, it, we've crossed the line, the threshold, that's the aerobic threshold going into the anaerobic side of things. You're beginning to metabolize more carbohydrates, more glycogen for fuel than fat relative, okay? Does that gotcha. sort of make sense?
0: Yeah, it, but the, frankly, the nomenclature is confusing, and we'll just have to keep referring to what we mean when we say aerobic training.
1: right. And we'll talk about that coming up here more about, like, the low-intensity aerobic training. So that's why I kind of like to break training up. Instead of aerobic and anaerobic, is like there's low-intensity and there's high-intensity. I like that. And low-intensity in our nomenclature is what we consider aerobic.
0: So less than 80% of your max heart rate.
1: Less than 80% of your max heart rate. And high-intensity is above that 80% of max heart rate. So that's when you get into like the anaerobic threshold and like lactate threshold and VO twos and things like that. And did you forward. know that
0: core work is largely anaerobic?
1: Yes. I mean, any well, strength training, <laughs> I was sort of Jimmy. making
0: a joke though. Like when I work with people one-on-one, they tend to hold their breath while they're doing a core move. Oh, right,
1: right, right. <laughs> I should have
0: warned you I was being silly and I'll have to keep reminding people breathe. Breathe, you right? Because they're like doing a plank and really concentrating, and they're just holding their breath for 30 seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty funny to watch.
1: And technically, yeah, core work is <laughs> for the most part anaerobic training. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like a, a mm-hmm. practical point on that. And then also to just to clarify too, because because we are not doctors or scientists, like we like to say we are coaches and we are talking all in the practical real world term of working with Mm -hmm. athletes in real in the real world not in laboratories that when we target this 80 percent of max heart rate as the quote-unquote aerobic threshold that is a generalization but it's a pretty accurate generalization Um, now you can go to a laboratory and have a scientist put a mask on you and do a test um the most common name or popular name is like a metabolic efficiency test. And that's something here locally in Denver, um, coach uh, Bob Sibahar, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a dietitian and a great coach. And he's really big into the whole metabolic efficiency concept of you know training that fat burning energy system and finding that tipping point, that aerobic threshold of where your body's burning equal parts fat and carbohydrates, and trying to train just below that, more in the fat side of things, and that's what we're after: training our aerobic system. When we're talking about what we train and prescribe to our athletes, you can do this test, and it'll pinpoint based off of your the gases, the O2 you're breathing in, and the CO2 you're breathing out, and exactly where that is that balance point. And maybe it's not at eighty percent for everybody. Maybe it's you know at um, you know, 140, like for example, mine's a, my 80% is 148 beats per minute. So okay. I try to stay under that. Maybe I'd go get tested, do, do Bob's metabolic efficiency test. And maybe I find out it's 144 beats per minute is mm. where that is. Or maybe it's 151 yeah. beats per minute, you know, but it, 80% is close enough. I mean, we're in the real world here. We're not scientists.
0: We're not lab rats for God's sake.
1: <laughs> we're not lab rats. <laughs> But there is that option out there, and sure, if someone has access to that, the time, the money, you know, to go do it, it's certainly interesting. But it is interesting. I have found over the years, targeting that eighty percent of max heart rate works for most, if not, probably not everybody. But well, it it gives people a
0: guideline of when we say, "Pardon me," when we say, "Ride slowly," you know, you ride, you train slowly, so you can race fast. You know, every it's just hard. We 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 know this. It's hard to get people to slow down. So if they ha- actually have some sort of percentage or number, it's easier for them to uh, like obey a number on their yeah on their head unit on their computer. Yeah. So. And the
1: other thing to consider in the real world is that it's very difficult to go ride your bike, especially outside, at exactly 148 beats per minute or mm-hmm. whatever it is you're you know trying to stay under or, or you know ride up at or whatever. And that's where we've created training zones, you know, that's where that's come from, like heart rate training zones, and those have been around for decades, and, you know, we're, we're not machines, we can't just peg one exact number, so we need...
0: Yeah, even on a trainer, everything's you can't, estimated. You don't peg a number. I, I, I saw how difficult yesterday, I went out to Lookout Mountain in Golden to do the 20-minute um, aerobic threshold test, and... Even the lookouts are climb, maybe mean it still undulate, so I was, you know, focus, 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 trying to keep my heart rate steady, but it's impossible.
1: Yeah, so you'll, in a test like that, you, you know, you can keep it within like a five, six feet range. Yeah, I
0: was just trying to keep yeah. it a little bit low, Yeah. knowing that it was better to keep it lower than let it creep up and go higher. But, exactly, and that's the way I, you do it. But yeah, bottom line is we're not robots. Um, most of us don't have time or money to to go do one of those specific tests. So just generally keep your heart rate under 80% for these low intensity intervals and you're gonna get the most bang for your buck right. out of this type of training.
1: Exactly, and, and we haven't even started talking about it, but we've already have. So roundabout way, we're back to the question of le- level mode versus erg mode.
0: Oh, right, there we go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <we got> really <laughs> sidetracked there. We did
0: a rabbit trail. But we needed
1: to clarify some things. So in when we're doing these aerobic intervals, basically training in, in our program the first two-thirds of base training is focused on improving our aerobic energy system, and i.e. endurance, right? So we do that through a variety of intervals, um, simple like Zone 2 aerobic base training rides, which we'll talk about, aerobic strength intervals, which we'll talk about today, and then what we'll talk about down the road here is um, aerobic threshold intervals. and They're all geared at improving our aerobic system. So when we're trying to improve our aerobic system, we train by heart rate rather than a specific power. Okay. So erg mode has you train by power Mm -hmm. where slope or level mode allows you to train by heart rate, meaning you can manipulate your power however you want by shifting, by changing the slope on your trainer um, to keep you where you need to be or want to be in the, the heart rate zones that we're targeting. So. For right now, even if you have a smart trainer and the ability to do ERG mode, I would suggest switching it off. Um, I know for myself, in the garage on Friday, um, I, again, I'm not a Zwifter, so I just used, we have our Wahoo Kicker and Wahoo Element. They pair beautifully together. When they're connected, you page over to a page that has the level buttons, and you can literally... Just hit the up or down button to increase or decrease the level, which is essentially the resistance provided by the trainer, to find one that works. And then I can shift through all my gears, you know, shift to an easy gear during the recovery, shift to the bigger gears when I want to work a little harder, and, and so on. So,
0: okay. You know what's funny is I did it a little differently. Yeah, I think you it's do it? because, uh, well, I, I still use level mode, like you said, but mm-hmm. my I was on my mountain bike on the trainer and the chain wasn't like loving the trainer's cog, the cassette. It was just having a problem. So I kept it on the same gear and I would just uh, click on my head unit over to the page where the the resistance was. And like when the six minute aerobic strength interval was done, I would just go from a nine down to a two and spin easily. And it was a little bit of a pain to click over on the page rather than shifting, but It's just like the gears were, like, not happy that day. And so
1: that's another way to do it. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. We just gave two examples of how to... But, yes,
0: we were both in level mode. We did not have the trainer telling us what to do. Um, And we, yeah, we controlled it with the actual head unit.
1: Yeah. So later on, when we're doing, like, the higher power, high-intensity aerobic training, when we're doing, like, VO2 intervals and things like that, there is an argument for erg mode Mm -hmm. at that point, you know. And then it becomes more of a personal preference, I think, because erg mode is heavily dictated by the cadence that you pedal. And so people that like to pedal lower cadences often don't like erg mode. But that's so true. That's, we saw that in our trainer studio. Let's not studio. go down that yeah. rabbit hole. We'll right save
0: now. that for another conversation.
1: Um, yeah. And then another question I've gotten that's kind of like startup, setting things up, um, using training peaks and whatnot. I got actually three people asked me basically the same question. is like, what training zones do I use in training peaks, mm-hmm. heart rate and power training zones? um, to set up the, the program because our program, we provide a little bit unique testing protocol and our own set of zones based off of heart rate for the lower intensity aerobic stuff and power off the high intensity aerobic. And, um, the, the the short answer is the zones in training peaks don't really matter. Um, so the zones I'm talking about, if you go into your settings, and you click zones, there's there's heart rate and power, and there's actually running and swimming ones as well for the triathletes out there. Um, but speaking of heart rate and power for cycling, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, because honestly, it's like those would only be used if you, for analytical purposes of they'll categorize your time spent in those different zones and things. And I've never looked at that um, because those zones don't. <laughs> pertain. They they don't matter to me Into following our program. Um, Because you're
0: really just looking at as two categories, like you mentioned, like the low intensity, meaning below 80% of your max and high intensity above 80%.
1: Yeah. Trying to keep it simple, essentially. Right. I love that. Yeah. And we do have zones because like our low intensity aerobic, and again, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but that's fine, is roughly 65 to 75% of our max heart rate. that. Zone, which for most people is about a 15 to 20 beat range, is where you go to do your zone two or, you know, your, your low intensity aerobic riding. Below 65% is more of a recovery ride. Um, between, and that would be zone one. That would be zone one. 75 to 80% of max heart rate is at aerobic threshold. You know, zone two, or sorry, zone three level. So we ha- we, we do have zones but they they don't correspond to what's in training peaks. Okay. So, either just don't even worry about it setting the zones in training peaks, or just pick one. Or you can manually, if you want to take the time, you can manually enter it in. But again, you probably will never actually reference those, <laughs> so I don't think it's worth it. Now, what is important when you're setting up training peaks is do enter in your known max heart rate and take about 10% off of that for as your, what they call their lactate threshold heart rate, that will give you a little bit more accurate heart rate TSS score. Good um, point. Yeah. So that's important. And then also knowing what your FTP, functional threshold power number, is. And we use a different way of calculating that in our program, but if you have another way of knowing what that is, as long as it's accurate and recent, recently accurate, like within the last two months, um, or more. And if you've taken a break,
0: I mean two months or less,
1: two months or less. Yeah. And if you've taken a break, which many people have, so you, many people have probably tested or figured out their FTP, like maybe August ish. Yeah.
0: When they were riding a lot, Yeah, when you were pretty fit. Thin. Yeah.
1: And now you've recovered. Hopefully you take taken a couple of week break, um, per our suggestion. And, and most people know this, you take that break, you lose fitness. Then you start right. the early part of base training, you actually continue to lose fitness. So your FTP <laughs> is more than likely lower now by a fair bit than what it was if you tested, say, two months ago. So it needs to be relatively accurate. Um, and if you don't know what it is, go find out and do a test. Um, I'm
0: going to do that in about an hour.
1: <laughs> and make sure that number accurate in training peaks as well. And, again, the actual power zones in training peaks don't, doesn't really matter. But you do want that FTP set accurately. So your TSS scores are as accurate as possible.
0: And the reason you want your TSS score is accurate is that you want to track your training to make sure you don't over-train more than anything.
1: Right. That and you're that'll, staying
0: on track, like progressing well.
1: Yeah, and that will we'll let you know the whole discussion of training load, which was mm-hmm. last episode, right. and um, figuring, making sure you're on track with that, if you're choosing to follow that. Yeah,
0: to make thing. sure you're not under-training or over-training, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and listen to the episode 51 or 48 with more in- information on that. All right. Okay, so did that answer the two questions? Yes, I have I think, no idea, hopefully. I, <laughs> I think we did.
1: <laughs> I feel like I blabbed, rambled on a little bit. But...
0: No, I think it was good. Okay. All right, so we actually did, looking at our cheat sheet here, we actually did already touch base on a lot of things, but we want to kind of dive in a little bit more with our aerobic strength intervals. Are are we ready to do that? Low-intensity
1: aerobic riding and then aerobic strength intervals, both. Um, And we have talked about this before previously. I mean, about a year ago, we were doing this very same thing, and I'm sure we talked about it then. So it might be worth, if you're new to our training methodologies, going back and listening to some of those earlier episodes. Um, But we'll we'll touch on it here because I just think it's so important.
0: It's so important. People just want to go out there and hammer all the time if they're competitive people, but... There's such a benefit that comes from slowing down. Right, exactly.
1: Um, all right, so let's just dig into it. I mean, we have already, funny, um, hit a lot of this. So the vast majority of our training in the bike is aerobic training, meaning with oxygen. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the confusion in the naming, which we've already talked about, um, when we're doing VO2 max or anaerobic threshold, we actually are still training aerobically. That's still like over... You know, it's probably 95 or more percent um, aerobic contribution from a metabolic standpoint. Um, So aerobic training, all the training we're doing, the aerobic training has many benefits to our cardiovascular system. And we have talked a lot about this. Things like, you know, increasing mitochondrial density, you know, red blood cell delivery through, you know, extended capillary beds and delivering... You know basically more red blood cells to more of our muscles is is a massive thing. Our heart actually gets bigger, um, the stroke volume increases like how much blood our heart moves it's all it's all all of it's relating to delivering red blood cells to our working muscles and that's a huge benefit of aerobic training. and those benefits can be achieved really at low, moderate or high intensity aerobic training. Um, but what we want to talk about is the low-intensity side of aerobic training pertaining specifically to that oxidative energy system, which is using oxygen to burn fat for fuel and minimizing the glycogen or carbohydrate usage for fuel. So the slower you go, the more fat you're using for fuel and the less carbohydrates. And that's a big player in... Base training and creating someone's ability to increase their endurance.
0: Right. And ride
1: for longer. Or ride harder later in an event. Right. Because they've
0: spared their glycogen for those times you need to recruit a more intense effort. Exactly. Okay. So
1: this is a great concept, I think, is you know, our from a metabolic standpoint, we use fat and carbohydrates for fuel there is times we do use a little bit of protein but very little and we'll take that out of the equation and so we're using fat and carbohydrates pretty much all the time Um, it's just the ratio the percentages of the two that change based on how we're we're moving the energy being expended okay so when we're out softly pedaling our bike along at extremely conversational paces we're probably, and I'm going to use rough numbers just to make it easy to picture, but it's probably 80% of your energy is coming from fat, and 20% give or takes coming from carbohydrates. Now, as you pick up the pace to like a zone two level, maybe it changes to a 70-30 ratio, roughly. Then, as you pick it up to like aerobic threshold paces, when you start to get closer to that 50-50, you know, you're in that like 60% fat to 40% carbs to up to maybe about 50-50 at the top of that aerobic threshold. And then when you push beyond that kind of zone 3 type of effort into zone 4, which is anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold, that's when we're now burning more carbohydrates. We're digging deeper into our glycogen stores and not using quite as much fat. And then it just keeps going. As you go faster, more carbohydrates get used, less fat gets used. And I think also as you cross over the aerobic threshold, it's it's not it's not linear, so the, those ratios don't change that linear, linearly, but as you cross over aerobic threshold, like the amount of carbohydrates you use starts to ramp up mm,
0: pretty okay. quickly. Yep, I can picture that.
1: Yeah. So our goal as endurance athletes as cyclists is to train our bodies to use fat, metabolize fat to for energy, for ATP, to move us down the road at higher and higher power outputs, meaning let's go faster while still maintaining large amounts of fat burning, okay? Mm -hmm. So an example of this is when you start out, if someone's not very aerobically fit, i.e. out of shape, um, that you're going to move along at, say, 75% of your max heart rate at pretty low, you're gonna hit that pretty low power outputs, pretty low work work levels. And as you become more aerobically fit, you actually have to start doing more work, more power um, to keep your heart rate at that 75%. Yeah,
0: we've talked about that before. But these aerobic threshold intervals, which we're gonna um, get to what, in a month or so, mm-hmm. that for a, a deconditioned person aren't that difficult, but for you specifically, you have to work pretty damn hard. Mm-hmm. To keep your heart rate at eighty percent. I mean, you're cranking out some significant power.
1: Right. Where an untrained or less trained person, mm-hmm. it doesn't take as much, and and they might act actually have to sort of like slow themselves down so they don't exceed.
0: Right. Which can be frustrating. 100%. But man, this all this aerobic, this low intensity aerobic training all comes down to being patient. And being disciplined and believing in the process that the more you put those hours of low-intensity aerobic riding into your personal body bank, mm-hmm. it will pay off dividends in the long run. Right. It really will, and I I've seen it with myself. I think I'm like I've been riding for 10 or 11 years, and I had no aerobic fitness when I started. And over the past three three to five years, I've really noticed a ramp up of my aerobic capacity. You know, we. You have us do that test every couple months where we go ride, or, or, which I did yesterday, 20 minutes at your 80% of max heart rate. And it's been cool to track my power output over the years for that effort level. And I'm like, it's really encouraging to see the numbers finally start going up because I have been patiently following this plan mm-hmm. and going, when is it going to pay off? And yeah. it does pay off, but you have to wait and and be patient.
1: Right. And it takes a very long time because think about it. If you're training consistently, and I'm talking about like year round, you know, you have your two week break here, you know, at the end of the season, maybe a one week break in the middle of the season and you have recovery days, you know, sprinkled throughout every week and all that kind of stuff. But in general, you're very, you know, you want to train consistently over the course of a year. Well, it takes years for your heart muscle to become stronger and bigger and pump more blood. It takes years for these blood vessels to, you know, get these little fingers that are reaching Mm -hmm. deeper into the muscles and can deliver more of this oxygen than your actual blood volume. That takes years. And and that'll ebb and flow per the season is with your fitness as well. But, you know, all these, like, infrastructural things take, you know, years to develop. And as your heart gets stronger, as your ability to deliver oxygen in the muscles improves, then you don't have to work as hard, i.e. have as high of a heart rate, to um, achieve the same
0: speed. To ride power. faster. Yeah to, yeah, to ride
1: faster. Or, if, uh, you know, conversely, you can ride the same power at a much lower heart rate. Right. And that's the definition, in my opinion, of what fitness is, is, mm-hmm. you know... What power can you sustain at a sustainable effort? You know, what's a sustainable power, and that relates directly to your aerobic fitness.
0: I, I agree. hope that makes sense. I no. feel like I'm stumbling. <laughs> no, I agree with you. And um, the argument it to is made for doing frequent testing is that you can see some encouragement, you know, and and be remotivated to train. Not only appropriately, but also consistently. So, yeah, and testing. That's my little plug for testing.
1: Testing, we'll talk about in a little more detail sometime soon, I'm sure. But yeah, frequent testing is important for that purpose to notice the the gains and to keep you motivated. But it's also, you want to check it because if you're not seeing improvements, that could be a red flag that Uh, you're maybe training too hard or are, you know, estimated zones or maybe a little too high, perhaps. And if you're always training a little above, you know, more into the high-intensity yeah, aerobic side of things. You're not making those low-intensity aerobic gains, which are so that's important. True. So, all right. So to put some numbers to it, to low-intensity aerobic training, you want to best train by heart rate. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. This 65 to 75% of your known max heart rate um, is the classic kind of zone 2 low-intensity aerobic base mile zone. Um, so that's what we are in our program we always start people out prescribing the majority of the work is in that zone and you want to just accumulate more minutes and time over each week in in that zone so the the less aerobically fit somebody is this might be a very slow pace and that can be frustrating for some people um, It may not take much I mean picture a really out of shape obese person and they get up off the couch just walking up a flight of stairs, they're already well beyond probably zone two, you know, above 75%. But then you have a really fit person, they can pedal along or, or run along at pretty quick rates and be in zone two, right. right? So the more aerobically fit someone is, the faster or more power you're going to be producing in this still low intensity zone two. Right. Um, and that's a great thing to check. And, and this pertains, I think, you had something about, um, like, Oh, about
0: looking when you're checking your power, Yeah, we're
1: training yeah. by heart rate, but we're referencing our power.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely wanted to, to touch on that because we're also hard on ourselves and I'm hard on myself personally. And then my daughter, Sophia comes home from a workout and I, when I hear her being hard on herself, I, I see myself, I, I can reflect upon my own reaction to my workouts and go, God, I, I just can't do that. And so I, My encouragement is that as you're training in this zone two effort, that when you're quote obeying your heart rate zones Mm -hmm. and you have a power meter, don't judge yourself. Like look at the watts with curiosity, but not with judgment. Right. It's not helpful. It's not important, really. I mean, yes, it's important in the big picture, but things are so variable. Maybe you didn't sleep very well. Maybe you're a little dehydrated or maybe you feel like amazing one day, but your heart rate needs to be the governor. Your watts are what they are that day. So don't don't look at it with judgment. Look at the, your watts with curiosity.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great tip. I mean, the watts are the like the interesting data point. So mm-hmm. if we're always, right now, if we're always training in this low-intensity aerobic zone, the 65 to 75%, and you have a power meter and you're watching it, you can you'll learn over several rides like what is quote normal for you the kind of the range of power mm, right, right right or average power if you're doing like an interval or a two-hour ride in this heart rate zone will yield x average watts or whatever and if you start to just see like you're riding along and you're in the proper heart rate zone and your power is significantly lower you know that's a, a flag of like start thinking while you're riding like mm-hmm. what's what's going on here and You can maybe deduce down to like, oh, I I didn't get the best sleep, or I'm a little behind on, you know, ideal sleep, or maybe your diet hasn't been as good, or like you said, dehydrated, or, you know, how have the weather conditions changed, you know, has it gotten hotter than normal, colder than normal, things like that. Um, And so...
0: Or stress. You're stressed about a a a family or a work issue, and then your heart rate soars.
1: Right, right. And that's where, why you want to train by heart rate, is because then you know you're training your heart muscle appropriately, your mm-hmm. cardiovascular system appropriately. Whereas if you had sort of a specific power you're trying to target on a challenging day, it might be actually too much for, to get the aerobic gains and you might be just pushing yourself a little too much and creating too much stress and right. creating a bigger problem. So train by heart rate or these low-intensity sides of things. And then on the positive side, what you'll notice over several weeks, many weeks of this is you'll be cruising along at your 65 to 75%, let's say 75% of max heart rate up your favorite climb. And you know, over the last, you know, when you started, it was like you were at 180 Watts and now you look down and you're averaging almost 200 Watts at the same heart rate. Well, there you go. That's
0: incredibly encouraging. Yeah.
1: You've gained aerobic fitness. Yeah. And, and that's great to see. Um, and as a side note, had you been training just by the 180 watts, then maybe it wouldn't have been challenging enough, so to speak. So that, that's why targeting heart rate is, is the key when you're training these low-intensity
0: um, stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so over time, you're looking to see an increase in power right. at those same heart rates. Um, cool. I, I think it's motivating. It, it's a little... Those are the rides, those zone two rides are a little tricky on the trainer, which we talked about. Um, so that's where I think Zwift, if I if I were to have to spend a lot of time indoors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, thankfully here in Denver we don't, um, I would have a Zwift subscription I think for sure.
0: I might have to too because I'm not yeah. even sure like watching Netflix would, would be entertaining enough.
1: Yeah, because Zwift is, it changes and yeah. I think you can have both. I mean you can watch Zwift on one device Good and Lord. have a TV show going on the other device or whatever I guess. <laughs> um All right. So low intensity. So let's talk about the other aspect of our first part of our base training programs, which is the aerobic strength intervals.
0: I love these intervals. Yeah, these are great. I
1: love these too. I've done these since first starting with my first real coach, Arnie Baker, many, many years ago, like 20 plus years ago. Um, And I I just remember right from the get go, like really loving these because I hadn't done them ever before. And, you know, I was 19 or whatever at the time and it's like oh this is really cool because you're training very specifically but it's low intensity so we're still training quote unquote aerobically
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And, and when we say that we're talking about this low intensity low to maybe moderate intensity but this around 75% of your max heart rate um, but we're training the more of the muscular system your leg muscles so these intervals are also known as um, muscle tension intervals, you'll hear some, you know, coaches, magazines, things like that, um, magazines, do people read magazines anyway? <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I think so. Internet articles, um, refer to these as muscle tension intervals, uh, or low cadence intervals. So we, I, I, just call them aerobic strength in my mind that it, it makes sense. We're training the aerobic system, but we're also training like the muscular system, um, with, this increased muscle tension. So, these are also amazing because they're intervals. So, going back to our first discussion of the show about right, being bored on the trainer, intervals make the trainer less boring and, and more productive.
0: I think intervals for me just make a ride more interesting. As when I when I do aerobic strength intervals outside, I have a little route and it takes me forty five minutes to get over to this one road called Highway Forty, and. If I'm by myself, I'm frankly like usually bored even riding over there. I'm like just a social butterfly and right. often just wish I had like my buddy Darren with me. Um, but as soon as I get over to that one little speed limit s- sign and I click lap on my head unit, mm-hmm. it's like whatever melancholy or lethargy I was feeling on the ride over there is immediately gone, like boom. And also yeah. my Like, 150 watts felt hard getting over there. I hit the lap button to do my first low cadence interval, and I'm just, like, in the zone and, like, cranking out 180 watts, and six minutes flies by, and then it's do my recovery, do another one. And all of a sudden, I've done 30 minutes of awesome work, and it was so easy.
1: Yeah. it's
0: so weird how it works that way.
1: That's the beauty of structured training, for sure. I mean, that's why interval... Intervals are so effective and so
0: effective, popular
1: for most people. And, you know, any training plan should have interval-based training in it. Now, the trick here is these intervals, a lot of times people hear intervals, they think it's like hard, high-intensity work. Right. That is not the case here. These are actually low-intensity intervals, meaning your heart rate stays relatively low. I mean, 75% of max heart rate is not high by any means. Um, and, again, the less aerobically fit you are, it's really easy if you're more aerobically fit. It's mm-hmm. more, maybe more closer to like a medium effort. Um, but even though they're low intensity, there is a larger muscular demand because what we're doing here is we're pedaling, we're looking for a higher resistance, um, lower cadence, and that low to moderate heart rate. Those are kind of our guidelines around these intervals. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the high resistance side of things, if you're doing these outside, uh, you can look for a hill. That's the easiest way <laughs> to cr- increase the resistance. If you don't have much of a hill, then get pedaling in a larger gear um, is the other way to get more resistance. If you're on inside on the trainer, adjusting the slope or the, yeah. um, the level on, on the smart trainers, um, or if you have like a fluid trainer, like an old school type of trainer, some of them have resistance levels. Others, it's just a matter of shifting into a big gear um, to get that resistance. The cadence that we are looking at pedaling are between 50 and 70 RPMs. That's been determined by the scientists in the laboratories so that you're effectively recruiting those type 2 muscle fibers at, with that high resistance at these lower RPMs. And then the heart rates we're targeting is a, kind of the 70 to 75, really right around 75% of max heart rate. And it can creep a little bit above that. Um, up to maybe 80%, but that would be the hard cutoff. You don't want to go any harder than that. You just, just pick an easier gear, lower the resistance um, a bit there. So lower heart rate is better, meaning it's better to be like 70 to 75% of max heart rate than...
0: Yeah, versus creeping up creeping over 80 up. because yeah. you just want to crank out five more watts. Right,
1: because the goal isn't necessarily to hit a specific heart rate per se. It's more to create the muscle tension... Um, with the resistance and the low cadence, and then double check with your heart rate to make sure you're not going too hard. Right,
0: because the heart rate is the governor. Is the governor. For this workout.
1: Exactly. And then along the same lines, as we talked about a few minutes ago, was reference your power at the same time, if you have power. So right. hit the lap button, do your intervals, make sure you're hitting all the targets. you got you got resistance, you got cadence around 60, you've got your heart rate around 75%. And notice what the average power is and what you're looking for over time is that power number to kind of go up. You know, several weeks later, maybe we're at 180 watts. Now you're at a 190 watts. for these. Or
0: numbers. if you could hold like when the way we do our intervals is we start these with two minutes. Yeah. And then the, the next day or the next time we do this workout it's four minutes. And the next week, it's like six minute intervals. And if you were holding the two-minute intervals at one eighty, and then you can hold the four-minute or the six-minute intervals at one eighty, that also is improvement.
1: Absolutely, that's actually the better way to look at it. I was thinking you may get both. You you may, but I was thinking within the the training session itself, you want to see the same or very similar power per interval. Um, But you nailed it on the head that week by week, we increase the duration of these intervals. And uh, maintain similar power for longer intervals also indicates.
0: Yeah, and you might get the double whammy where you get two stickers if you can keep the same. You can improve your watt output for a longer distance. Woo!
1: If it improves, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) It doesn't always happen, but once in a while you get that like session where you're like, "Holy crap! I I am feeling so good about this. Like I'm really seeing improvement."
1: Right, right. So looking at power. As a, what'd you call it, a reference or? What was it? Oh, I said to
0: look at it with curiosity and not with judgment.
1: And not with judgment and target the heart rate. All right, so, and that's what I put, yeah, the goal is not to get heart rate or power to a specific point, but rather create this muscular tension or muscular loading. The theory here is that, um, from some laboratory scientists, is that the idea is you're able to tap into and train your fast twitch muscle fibers at this low intensity effort is is one of the theories among this style of training because this is a pretty popular training method to these these muscle tension type intervals and that so your heart rate is relatively low it's not stressful um from like a hormonal level of high intensity training but you can still train you're still able to train these type two like fast twitch muscle fibers another theory is that, you know, can you, and this is almost more of a question, like, can you make these more anaerobic fibers more oxidative or more endurance oriented? Mm. You know, I think that's up to debate. Some scientists say yes, some say no. Um, I will say from an anecdotal standpoint of having done these for a couple decades now, they're just a critical piece of the training puzzle. And they they're, they just fit perfectly in that early base training season um because of the fact they are low intensity but they are structured and you are getting i think of it as just this like muscular endurance of Mm -hmm. being able to push this bigger gear bigger resistance over these longer durations and it does make you kind of a it's creating kind of this like diesel engine power output um so it's interesting, um, and I think they're great. So it, they definitely make your legs tired.
0: Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> Another argument for why you shouldn't overdo the strength work. Like that, all has to be really appropriate and progressive in the gym. In the the gym. That's I yeah. That's where it gets being... a little confusing. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I've been feeling my legs pretty tired over the last couple of weeks, but I can still, you know, execute my workouts. But it, if I were newer to strength training in the gym and maybe not as aware of my limits and overdoing it, then these aerobic strength intervals on the bike could be miserable. So just have to have that balance, right? You don't want to like right. make yourself so sore in the gym that when you go to do one of these aerobic strength workouts, you're just, ugh.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is this time of year, it's perfectly acceptable, To have these like dead feeling. Yeah, you can
0: be sore and a little bit dead, but you don't want to be like miserable.
1: Right? Yeah, let's not be miserable. Should be fun.
0: Should be fun.
1: (laughs) Um, But yeah, they make you your legs tired for sure. Um, Real quick, just some points of performance of like things you could focus on while doing these intervals, um, because all of our base builder plan follower listeners um, might find this useful. Is that one? You know, one of the big ones is. Well, in general, another gain of these low and you know cadence, muscle tension intervals is they actually really help improve your pedaling mechanics as well, kind of your connection with the bike, um, as well as all of the like muscle fiber interactions and whatnot too. But if all you get out of them is improved pedaling mechanics, that's a win as well. That's a huge win. And one of the big ones is really thinking about keeping your core engaged mm-hmm. as you're pedaling. Um, and the beauty of these low cadence intervals is that it's like you everything's slowed down because you're not moving particularly fast no, you're not. if you're doing these outside. <clears throat> and so you can really kind of pay attention and, and f- literally almost like feel the different muscles engaging and, you know, being active and whatnot at different times of the pedal stroke. Well, keeping your, your core musculature, your low back, your glutes, you know, your all your ab- abdominal muscles engaged, while you're pedaling is is one of the benefits. Um, so you want to avoid, like, rocking of the hips um, and any kind of, like... Yeah, bobbing uh, back bobbing, and forth. Yeah. Um, so really keeping that engaged. Um, another thing is, like, pulling across the bottom of the pedal stroke.
0: I've I, been thinking about that a lot. Yeah. Because it's easy to push over the top of your pedal. Mm-hmm. And but that pulling motion, just I love how you how you just said like it, it sort of just slows down, like where you can really focus on mm-hmm. what you're doing. And because you're pedaling slower, and it's so controlled, like I'm on my mountain bike on a road, I don't have to think about a trail condition. And lately, I've been really thinking about pulling up on the backside of the stroke, right? And using my hamstrings. Exactly. Engage it's been really cool.
1: Yeah, that's that's so that's a great kind of points of performance to think yeah, about really cool. um, as you're doing those. Another one is the foot sort of comes over the top of the pedal stroke is rather than thinking about pushing down on the pedal stroke, okay. which creates more of like a quad engagement. You want to think about pushing more forward over the top of the pedal and stroke. That, does that
0: get your glutes more as you push forward? Exactly. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you, that'll get more of your your glute muscles. So again, focusing on that posterior chain, it's kind of sparing the quad muscle. Um and and then another piece is connecting and this is a really big one too, is connecting the upper body with the lower body in terms of pulling on the handlebars as you push on the pedals. Um or create that tension on the pedals and, and using the whole body. And that's really where the core engagement comes in. Our first point is like the core is what sort of is the link between the upper and lower body and keep core engaged. Um, it works really well. Which
0: to me is an argument for the importance of strength training. Because Absolutely. if you are not regularly strengthening your core, all those supporting muscles that that go up and down your spine, that go around your for mid sure. your midline, your hip muscles, then you're not going to like. You maybe even safely do these these intervals. You may be really straining your back to push hard around the pedal stroke. I mean, yeah. honestly, you got to be really careful if you're not regularly doing core work you need to back off these intervals. But if you're regularly doing core work, you can, like, really crush out some good watts.
1: Yeah, yeah, the core strength is critical for sure. And it will. these intervals will improve your core strength and your back musculature as well. Mm-hmm. So anyone that has, you know, low back pain, and you know, at the end of a race or whatever, um, which is very common with mountain bikers in particular, um, you know, this will help alleviate, if not maybe remove all of that the, the combination of the core work strength training in the gym yeah and these on the bike um, it all kind of ties together so um yeah and so uh how to do these you know how we're doing these in our program is we begin we begin with very short intervals um, of just two minutes that was like the very first week and we'll gradually increase to longer intervals and we'll work our way up to 10, 12, even some people might get up to 15 minute long awesome. um, of these intervals of sustaining this and we'll build up to that. And then, and then the other side is we begin with a roughly 20 minutes or so of this work within one single training session um, to begin with and we'll build that up gradually. So as the intervals get longer... Um, that obviously gets you more minutes and the number of intervals, um, depends, but you know, upwards of probably the most you'd ever do in one training session, it might be like 60 minutes worth, Right. which is a lot. I mean, it's, that's a lot. That's more, that's definitely advanced. For and you're going
0: to sure. have jello legs when you're done.
1: Right. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> tired jello legs. So, you know, that gives you a range of like starting with like 10 times two minutes as your 20 minutes, um, as like session one for most people. And then the maximum advanced finishing might be like four times fifteen minutes or something, which again is a lot. So don't everyone
0: don't jump in on plan anyone. to
1: maybe make it quite that far. And then we do we find two sessions per week for about four to eight weeks is kind of the ideal range, depending on your experience level and how much volume you're going to train and that sort of thing. And then to touch on one last little thing is these can, as you referenced, be challenging on your musculature. Um, particularly your back and or your knees possibly. So you have to be really be in tune with that as well. But if you're really focusing on the proper pedaling mechanics, that's going to alleviate tons of pressure and strain off of both your knees. That's true. Because if you're
0: really pulling with your glutes and your hamstrings, you're going to divert that torque off your knee pretty quickly. Right, exactly.
1: So I hear, I have had athletes in the past be like, oh, I tried a few of these and, you know, my knees were really hurting. Yeah. You know, almost always it came down to just a switch in that pedaling mechanic. So Mm -hmm. as soon as I gave them the tips of, of, you know, dropping the heel, pushing more forward rather than down, engaging the hamstring, the knee pain goes away because it takes the strain off of that. And similar with the back muscles too.
0: And maybe just one easier gear. Like maybe they were just being a little aggressive and they were trying to aim for that 50 RPMs. And maybe you should start with 70 RPMs and give yourself – An easing in period to a new movement. Exactly.
1: Because you still do get the gains, say the scientists, at 70 RPMs Mm -hmm. as you do it. You know, maybe you get a little more at 50 RPMs, but there's a much higher risk. So is (laughs) it really worth it? I mean, I try to stay right around 60 plus or minus.
0: That's my sweet spot too. Yeah.
1: And if you're on the trainer, it's pretty easy to dial that right in. If you're outside, it'll change slightly with the gradient of a hill that you're on and stuff. But um Cool. Well, I mean, I really enjoy these intervals a lot. Um,
0: yeah, me too. Um, funny story from yesterday one of the kids on the Wii Devo or the Wii Race team, mm-hmm. Jack, was over hanging out at our house after a bike ride and said that when he went outside to do the aerobic 20 minute threshold test the other day, mm-hmm. he, <laughs> he did the whole 20 minutes in the big gear. Cadence because he sort of forgot what he was doing. He's been doing so many of these like weeks, yeah. muscular tension intervals that he, when he went to do this aerobic threshold test, he forgot. He just settled into the <laughs> just settled 60 in. something
1: RPMs. And... I'm
0: like, that's one way to do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that Kinda made me giggle. That can happen. I mean, it does, these intervals do make you more of like a grinder, so to speak. But so it's really good idea to interject some high cadence work, um, mm-hmm. whether it's in. The recoveries in between the intervals, or at the end, like that's what I like to do is finish the ride, trying to keep my cadence over like a hundred. If I'm outside, or even higher than that on the trainer, Um, like we we have the steady spins. Like for the trainer specific workouts, we'll have we you know we've done the five to ten minutes at like 120 RPMs to finish, just to get some leg speed back in there. So that is a good little side note of don't forget the leg speed side of things (laughs) if, if you're doing this. But you know two times a week. Um, it it goes a long way of not only improving your aerobic fitness, but that muscular strength and pedaling mechanic side of things. So that's kind of what we do. And we'll be doing these same kind of intervals. This next block coming up after our recovery, we'll do three more weeks. So it's like six more training sessions of the aerobic strength intervals. And depending how many aerobic rides, most people do one to three aerobic rides in addition um, to the aerobic strength. Um, Right. So we'll get... Uh, whatever that is, another three to nine kind of zone two aerobic endurance Well, how
0: can people jump in on one of these training plans that they've already kind of missed out on being a part of the the group?
1: The base builder. Yeah. Yeah. So they still could join the base builder. um, But yeah, you're a little late to the party, I suppose, on that. Um, But all of our base builder plans incorporate this type of training um, into them and then The other big option is looking into our custom training plans, because that's what I'm really excited about right now, and working with a lot of people over the last several weeks setting these up, and that's honestly probably the most effective way. I mean, our stock plans are good, the custom plans take it to the next level, because I'll look at your history, and your goals, and time allotment for training, and we can dial in exactly what the right amount of these intervals, but also the intervals that are coming, and into someone's plan so um
0: and do they just send you an email for that
1: yeah just send send us an email there's links in the show notes um and they can sign up on our website all that types of stuff as well and then um go from there is a good good way to go but but at any rate just get outside and start getting those low intensity aerobic miles in um make the most of the good weather when you've got it depending on where you live and um when you head inside, either get on Zwift for the zone two rides or um, Or
0: watch British baking show.
1: Yeah, or get these structured strength as we're at. <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> Obviously.
0: <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Um yeah, so the structured stuff just makes the time fly by so much so much easier. For sure. All, All right. right. Well hopefully people enjoyed this discussion and if there's any tips or stories you have about aerobic strength work or aerobic threshold work or, you know, any of these, any of these plans that we we have, you have questions to send them to us at Cody or Kathy at teamweight.com and we'll bring it up in the next episode. We love that part of it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then don't forget to leave us a rating and review if you haven't already on Apple podcasts and we'll we'll be back in another week or so.
0: All right. Happy writing everybody.
1: Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans.
0: Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season.
1: We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between.
0: Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression.
1: Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community. You're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.